Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with Leo Flowers. Uh, I hope you guys are doing well, you're eating well, you're moving well. Um, and if not, you know what? There, there are days where I wake up, I'm not, I'm not feeling well. Um, but uh, it's something that we always, always have to work on, right? Um, and some days everything just clicks and it gels and then some days are struggle. And uh, but it's, you know, I hate when people go, oh, suicide is a is a is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. And it's like I I, I realize I can't afford to think of uh, the internal uh, struggle, the pain there's some beep going off in the background um, as temporary. I have to I have to acknowledge it as something that uh, is always there, uh, and it's just going to cycle back around. It's just like the seasons. Like it, at some point, the flames are going to come back around. The pain, the anxiety. It's it's just going to circle. It's going to keep coming back around. It's it's not temporary by any means. And uh, and I and once uh, we can accept that then we can prepare for those moments when it does come around so then it doesn't blindside us. I was talking to one of my clients today and every month, and this is a little graphic, every month she, uh, you know, she has her period like most women and she said, you know, the day before she, cause today is the day that, you know, the flow started and uh, she said the day before she, she was getting headaches and, and feeling a little off and queasy and, and things of that nature. And then today when she woke up and her flow started, she goes, oh, that's right. And she's like, I'm in my I'm almost 50. Like she's like, I should know what the signs and symptoms are because it happens every month. She said, I don't know why it still catches me off guard. And a lot of us are caught off guard by our weekly, monthly, yearly, quote-unquote, flow because uh, we, we kind of take it for granted. We don't, we don't write down the patterns. This is, this is why it's so important for you to not only write down, um, you know, the, you know, what happens when you're in pain, but what what are the signs leading up to it? You know, the, is it, is it sleeplessness? Is it uh, sugar cravings? Uh, do you feel restless, agitated? Like what are the signs that you're starting to spiral and slip out of control uh, so that we don't get into that, you know, that that's letting us know that the flow is coming. And, you know, for some of us, like I said, it's once a month. It could be once a week. It could be, every other day right but there are signs that lead up to it every single time and it's different for different people so we have to write it down you know what did you eat how you know how did you feel um how are you sleeping things like that and then what happens is and it's not something you have to do all the time and every day but i would do it for like I would do it for at least 30 days, uh, but at max three months. And the reason why I say three months is usually within a three month because uh, period, uh, you're going to have a flow or an experience or some feelings of ideations, and it will really help you to identify the patterns is it is it usually hit you in the morning at night how long does does it last does it last a few minutes does it last a few days because then when you're able to recognize it I'm this is completely off track of what the today's podcast is about today we're going to talk about Christoph uh, St. John who lost his son but let me get back to this um, because then when you're able to recognize the pattern, it doesn't become this thing that when it hits you 
feels so scary. Right. You know, it's like my my client who. Um, she, uh, she, you know, she was caught off guard. She was like, why do I have a headache? Why can't I sleep? Why do I feel agitated, et cetera, et cetera. And then she was like, oh, that's right. It's that time of the month. And she's in her 50s. And and a lot of us are like that. A lot of us go through these periods, like I said, where, uh, where there's a pattern of when we feel off. There's a pattern of when uh, the depression hits or when the anxiety hits. In some cases, it's acute and, you know, caused by some type of uh, tragic external event that, that triggers it. But uh, for a lot of people, um, it's just something that cycles back around from period to period, whether things are going horrible and, and c- catastrophically, catastrophic or catastrophically, um, or things are going great and wonderful. You know, and, and that's when it's scary is when things are when you're, you're, you're getting everything that you asked for and that you wanted. And then um, the, the flames start licking the heels and you're like, what the hell? I'm eating right. I'm sleeping well. I'm exercising. And yet still the pain is still there. And you it's just a part of how some of us are made up. And that's OK. And that's OK. We just have to accept it and recognize when the uh, when the dogs are going to start barking. I have a lot of names for this. Uh, but how are you guys doing today? As usual, always like to start off with um, uh, the 1-800-SUICIDE phone number, 1-800-784-2433. Just, just, call, say, just, just call, say, hi, I've experienced this. Uh, even if you're not experiencing it right now, just tell them that you have experienced the, the ideations and, um, and ask them for tips on what to do next time it comes around. Just, I know there's a stigma attached to making a phone call and, uh, it might be embarrassing, but, uh, I'm telling you every time that you call, uh, you're, you're going to feel less weird about it. You know, the first time you do anything, even, even th- my first kiss was weird and that's, a, that's there's no stigma to kissing it was just that it was the the first kiss she had her name was Angela and she had gum in her mouth uh during our first kiss and uh gum people chewing gum has always uh disgusted me I don't like gum and I think it's because you know you're you never you never find gum where you should find it it's always like under tables or on the ground and uh at the bottom of your shoe it's just you know you you put your hand down somewhere you're like ah come on Really? Um, so I I don't like gum. And then people who smack the gum and blow big air bubbles, that's not so much of a thing. I don't really see people doing that anymore. And you don't see it in movies. But, you know, back in the 80s, that was what everybody was doing, just, you know, blowing these big air bubbles. And I'm not sure why why it's always disgusted me. I'm just like, just eat food if you're hungry. I don't get it. But um, so... 1-800-784-2433, or if you just want to talk, and this could be about anything, you know, maybe you get you got into an argument with your your roommate, your spouse, your sibling, uh, you having financial issues, you just feel overwhelmed, um, call 1-800-273-8255, once again, 1-800-273-8255, and that's... Uh, the talk line, if you just want to talk, all right? All right, uh, today, oh, three things I'm grateful for, right? We always got to, we always got to start off with a little gratitude. That's how we get rid of our attitude. Um, I'm standing right now recording this podcast, so I think I have a lot more energy than I typically would have if I was sitting down, but I just want to see what this feels like, and I love it. Um Three things that I'm grateful for. One, I'm grateful for um, my feeling financially able. I just bought my mom a plane ticket from Chicago to Austin because um, uh, me and my nephew, we share the same birthday, March 18th. And so my mom's going to fly down to Austin and be with my sister, my nephew, and then I think I'm going to fly down and join them. I mean, why not? Um, 
And I'm, I'm grateful for that opportunity. There were so many years where I, I wanted to fly my mom to L.A. or, you know, somewhere. And I just never had the financial means to be able to do that. And so it feels good to finally be in a place where um, I can do that. So very grateful for that. And, you know, and with that, very grateful for having a mom who's healthy and alive and likes to travel and having a, a sister and just family, siblings. Um, that's, you know, that's and, and family that I actually like talking to for the most part. They're just, you know, sometimes I, I've, I've hung up on my mom a couple of times or didn't call her right back. But that's family. That's what you're supposed to do. You ain't always supposed to, y'all not always going to be on good terms. You know, that's just life in a cycle of things. But I'm just, I'm grateful to have like, a really dope family overall and, and loving and accepting. And, uh, uh, you know, and I, I, have, I have three sisters and they're all great. And um, my dad, he passed away like six, seven years ago. And, and I'm still, I got to admit, I'm still grieving because that's what today's podcast is about. Is Christoph St. John is uh, an actor um, or, or, I don't know how you, if you want to say was an actor. That feels weird. Let's just keep him in a present tense. Uh, is an actor uh, on The Young and the Restless. And at the age of uh, 52, um, you know, took his life. And I bring this up because I, I know that talking about celebrity deaths can, and reading about it and hearing about it, it can trigger for a lot of people and I of the firm belief the reason why uh it becomes such a trigger for people in in terms of uh increases you know the suicide rate when you have celebrity suicides is that people hear about it and then don't talk about it they they hold it in and and they hold in the pain they hold in the grief and and it's, it, instead of finding someone who they can uh, process it with, which is another great reason to call the suicide prevention hotline, uh, you call them and you say, I just read this story about this, you know, this actor, this celebrity, this friend who took their life. And um, and it, it triggered me and I'm feeling uh, some type of emotional way. And that's OK. It's okay to not be okay. And if you feel triggered, if it, if it feels emotional, call and talk to someone. What we can't do is uh, we can't uh, hold it in and we can't shield ourselves from uh, everyday life and, 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 and uh, you know, things like this. Uh, we have to figure out how to process it when we do taking this information because screens are everywhere between Twitter, Facebook, the social media and newspapers and, you know, people talking out loud. Uh, you're going to you're going to hear things that will trigger you. And so you have to have a process. The key is having a process for how to um, cope with what you're taking in and how to manage your emotions so that it doesn't uh, tip you too far in one direction or the other. One of the things that I do is, because when I, when I read this story, when I first saw it, um, it, it, I admit like it triggered me. I felt, uh, I was, uh, you know, I felt emotional and uh, wanted to cry a little bit. And so one of the things I do when I read about these celebrity uh, suicides is, I, I read as much about it as possible. And what I'm trying to do is make sense of it in terms of what I'm trying. I read it and I'm reading it to figure out what the person could have done to cope with their emotions and situation. Um, uh, and, you know, and so that's what we're going to talk about today. So we're not just gonna, I'm not, not going to just leave you guys with the emotion of this person took their life. Um, also, I'm going to we're going to talk about coping strategies and mechanisms and and uh, and what he not what he could have done, but uh, the things that we can do, 
right? When, um, when not because he took his life because of a grieving over his son committed suicide when his son was uh, 14 years old and he, it was hard for him. He never quite, and this, you know, for lack of a better term, never quite was able to move past it. I was going to say get over it, but that that's just like rude and, and brutish. Um, but uh, emotionally, he wasn't able to get past it and find a way to cope with it uh, in, in a way that allowed him to um, uh, to 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 thr- to thrive and 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 uh, now I'm say move past it, but move with it. Oh, I love that. Move with it. Um, I have to write that down. That's what you hear. You hear me writing it down. Yeah, we talk so much about moving past it, but let's figure out how to move uh, with it. And with that, I want to read a quote that says, uh, where is it? So uh, it's by this lady named Mindy who uh, lost her child. And she says, quote, grief is like a weight. When you first pick it up, it's heavy and hard. While the weight never changes, your muscles get stronger. You learn new ways to carry it. End quote. And I think that's a that's a beautiful thing. Um, and and I actually so beautiful. I want to read it one more time. It's ridiculous. You could just rewind it, but I just want to read it again. Grief is like a weight. When you first pick it up, it's heavy and hard. While the weight never changes, your muscles get stronger. You learn new ways to carry it. And and that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about uh, part of what contributed to Christoph St. John taking his life. And and then we're going to talk about what to do if you lose a loved one. And then we're going to talk about um, if you know someone who has lost a loved one, how do you help them move through it? OK, so let's talk about um what contributed to Christoph St. John, um, uh, you know, taking his life. So like I said, first of all, like we said, um, his son took his life. His son struggled with schizophrenia and uh, was in and out of uh, mental institutions and uh, actually took his life in a, a, a psychiatric hospital. Um, so it was tragic and, uh, you know, something that he obviously, you know, it's like no parent should ever have to, you know, bury their child. And it was very painful for him. Um, and it, it just left a lot of uh, unanswered questions in his heart as to how could this happen. And he felt like he was providing his son the best care. And, and that's the last thing you, you think is going to happen when you uh, place your kid in, in a psychiatric hospital, you, you think you're going to get your, your child back. Um, and the kid not only struggled with schizophrenia, but also struggled with uh, drug and alcohol abuse, um, or his child, I say the kid, his child. And a lot of people who struggle with schizophrenia, they turn to drugs and alcohol as uh, t- to self-medicate because the effects of uh, the medication are so powerful and so strong. I have a friend who is my best friend who I grew up with at the age of 21, uh, was struck with schizophrenia and, or I should say, start to show signs of uh, schizophrenic, uh, had uh, uh, schizophrenic symptoms uh, and delusions. And uh, he had hallucinations also. And the medication he was taking made him swollen it looked like they when i saw him it looked like they like like somebody fished his body out of the river he was swollen he was kind of apathetic he had a hard time making eye contact he was a shadow of the person who i had known and i as we were talking you know he he, he was crying and uh he said it left him constipated just all these couldn't sleep at night horrific symptoms where I could see somebody who's struggling with uh, some type of mental illness would uh, prefer, you know, the street drugs or, and self-medicating versus the stuff that you're receiving. And but then, of course, the downside of that is 
uh, you know, you're taking you're you're now you're taking drugs and in a lot of cases illegal drugs and you're going you're taking illegal means to uh, uh, get the illegal drugs and um, and and then you you know DUI can't get can't get a job can't if you do get the job can't hold it down you're failing drug like then it becomes this domino effect of problems where um, you know you could you know end up out there on the streets so um, his son uh, um, takes his life in 2014 and uh, you know and there was shame he had shame and grief over this because he the shame is that you know he's a parent and, and as a parent you feel like you should be able to protect your child right and and so like there's and you feel guilty because you feel like you like you did something wrong like oh, man I'm the parent I should have been able to protect my child better and and and, and what are other people going to think of me you know so now you're the guilt is you judging yourself and the shame is thinking about how others are now judging you which is you know it just it it compounds the feeling of of, of being overwhelmed and uh, and it compounds your grief obviously um and when you you know when you lose your child oh let me grab this uh losing your child it increases uh, your chances that the parent's child uh the parents uh, chances of of uh, completing suicide threefold threefold uh and but the reason is this a lot of parents who lose their child do not seek help as a matter of fact about 50% of people who end up taking their lives at no point received help or sought help or at therapy or went to group therapy or excuse me or took meds and and so there's a large population of people n- not seeking help not picking up the phone not going to therapy um not not you know not not uh, going to rehab whatever it is you have to do um it, there's there's you have you can't yes you could you could do it alone but you don't have to do it alone and and there are resources um everywhere whether it's online or you can show up physically uh where you live that uh can help guide you through it um Christoph St. John also struggled uh with depression and anxiety obviously you know um, the, dep- the depression is part of the grieving process, which we'll talk about the stages of grief. Uh, and then the anxiety, of course, is uh, him not understanding how could this happen? Why is this happening to me? Not really um, giving purpose and meaning to what has happened uh, uh, to him and, and to, to uh, his son. And, you know, we're going to talk about the importance of giving a purpose to to such a, a, a loss and, and your grief and the importance of that. We'll talk about that in a, in a little bit. Um, other things that contributed are so a lot of times when parents lose their their child, there's also a lot of marital discord because, uh, you know, they start part of it is they start they blame each other a little bit. But the other thing uh, to consider is men and women handle grief differently, where women usually will seek support. They're more emotional. You know, usually it's the scene where the woman is in the man's arms and the man is hugging or consoling her. And rarely do we see the opposite where the man is leaning in in the woman's arms and, and she's, you know, uh, consoling him the man usually you know uh, is is the stoic one and so what ends up happening is then the wife or the mother feels like the husband is is unemotional detached and he, he didn't care as much when when the truth is it's how we are 
uh, as men in this in this country, especially, we're socialized. We're socialized to be stoic, to hold it in, to get past it, to um, to focus on uh, the practical matters of paying bills, going to work, et cetera, et cetera. And so, to your wife, to the mother, it looks like you're just a cold-hearted human being, and really, you're in your mind, you're like, I have to be strong. I have to be strong to um, to maintain the family that's that's still here and to make sure everything else doesn't fall apart. And and because of those two grieving, different grieving processes, that can lead to some resentment and anger within a relationship. So much so that 80% of couples who lose their child um, end up divorcing. They end up divorcing. And, and really, it's just like I said, People are not getting help. Um, they're holding it in. They don't talk about it. On one of the previous podcasts uh, with Butch Bradley, you know, he talked about when he lost his brother, how um, the, the family decided not to talk about it. They were like, we're never going to speak of this ever. And Butch was the only one who was like, that's insane. We talk about everything, and now we're just we're gonna hold this thing in, and then just be stuck in this time period forever. Like that doesn't make sense. Like how do we move forward as a as a unit, as a family, if we don't discuss what has happened? So, uh, you know, even though the divorce rate is high, it's 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 easily remedied by uh, talking to someone. Or joining a group, uh, you know, getting help outside of yourselves because, you know, you're not alone. It, it, you're not alone so much so that 53,000 children die every year. So that means there's 100,000 parents out there. That means, like, w- you know, whatever you're going through, you're not alone in your grief. And there are people that um, who, who understand and empathize and, and are going through or have gone through what you're experiencing currently. So get out there and talk to people. Um, you know, the other the other thing that, you know, uh, Christophe St. John was going through was uh, he probably, you know, and a lot of grieving parents go through is they feel responsible for the child's death. They, they you know, I'm, a, I'm the parent. I, I know everything. I've, I know what insurance, what they should eat. Uh, you know, I know it's good for them. I, or at least I should know. I'm the parent. I you know, and so that that weight of shame, guilt, feeling responsible uh, for how their their child turned out, uh, you know, so you start blaming yourself, and and also like never he never really got an answer why his son took his life, um, or at least nothing that that satisfied him that reduced the anxiety that reduced the pain, and like I said, we're gonna talk about the, the importance of you finding your own purpose and meaning uh, to the, to your grief. Um, and all right, so with that said, um, let's talk about, oh, and the coping mechanisms, right? So there's this thing called um, post-traumatic growth where like uh, you become, like after you've had some traumatic event like losing a loved one, um, you become more resilient your coping skills improve. You become more compassionate. Uh, you, you have a more compassionate attitude towards life. Um, you find new meaning in life and uh, and new aspirations. Your your relationships become more intense and purposeful. You feel more present and connected. Uh, and and um, you find a way to honor the deceased by sharing their story. So. This, this whole idea of post-traumatic growth is, is the idea that after the trauma, at some point, usually it's around a six-month mark or one-year mark, um, the, the, the pain and the tragedy and everything that feels like is going south starts to feel like it's going north again. And, uh, and, and with new vigor, new energy, new resilience, new meaning, new purpose, and you, you start turning it around. Now, some of the research disagrees, and they go, there's no such thing as post-traumatic growth. There's just some uh, hoo-ha stuff that's out there. But 
what is what does really happen and this like I said only happens if we share our story and we talk about it and we don't bottle it in um, and brood is that our social relationships are definitely strengthened because what happens is that when if we when we lose someone you, you we are shocked and surprised at how many people start to uh, come around and support us and and uh, you know try to help us out and ask us if we need anything and contribute and you know there's so many like uh, GoFundMe uh, and Kickstarter campaigns to help raise money for people's uh, uh, funerals and, and and medical bills and things like that and it's an outpouring of support from friends, family, neighbors, strangers and, and it's and, and then you're overwhelmed with the amount of love that you received and you're shocked by that. And if you're if you're married or in a relationship, what could happen is you start talking about things that that uh, other things that, you know, that you hadn't been talking about before. And it leads to a deeper, more profound connection with the person that you're with, uh, which intensifies it as you as you move forward. So. That could definitely happen if we are grieving, you know, the quote unquote right way. And like I said, and we're getting help and and uh, we're getting the support that we needed. Um, and, you know, because the, the number one factor of your ability to get over your your or to to, to move with your grief is to is the, the strength of your social relationships and being connected and and uh, and the people, it's the people, the people in your life, that's going to make the difference of how resilient uh, you're going to be uh, through something like this. And like I said, it doesn't have to be friends and family. It could be the, 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 a therapist, a, a group. I uh, I went to a Buddhist. Um, temple yesterday a friend of mine down the hall she invited me and it's it's fascinating because when I was in Vegas you know I've been spending a lot of time doing shows in Vegas and it gets lonely you know no, like no amount of fan adulation hanging out with comics um replaces being with someone um that you really care about and, and have had a, a journey with right um so it at times they're pockets of of loneliness you know and there's no amount of work to keep me busy enough and i was you know i was like i i need to join a group and i need to find a therapist i have yet to find a therapist but you know i put it out there into the universe and sure enough my neighbor down the hall was like you want to go to this buddhist temple and so I was like, sure, I'll go. I'm not Buddhist. And I go and I realize I love it. And the thing that I loved about going to this Buddhist temple and uh, chanting, they have a chant. Uh, I'm going to completely butcher the chant is Hamna Namha Harenge Yo. Namya Harenge Yo. I think that's the, the chant. And, you know, you're just chanting this chant over and over again. And it's about 20, 25 of us in this small room. And I felt so connected to everyone um, because there's a, you, you're, you start off chanting and then um, they read a few passages. And then we discuss, we all discuss, we get in a circle and we discuss the passages that we've just read and what it means to us. And I've been going to... Uh, I was going to a spiritual church, Agape, and I've been going forever. And I think I only know like a few people, maybe a handful. By the end of this, I knew everybody. We sh I shook hands with everyone, uh, learned everybody's name. We went around and gave each other, uh, said each, said our names. And I was like, oh, this is what I need. And this is this is what makes me feel connected. And this is the group that I want to be a part of. They have a group every Tuesday at 7 p.m. And then they have a men's group every Saturday morning at 8 a.m. So I'm going to attend this this Saturday uh, at 8 a.m. Like I said, I'm not Buddhist. But um, 
I am open to the philosophies and the teachings and I just love the energy of the group and it's small and you know I'm like oh I asked to be part of a group and I wanted something close to my house and this is it so I what how can I not go I asked for it it's here it's close I'm in so um you know find that group that makes you feel connected because like I said that's the thing that's going to help you move uh with and through the the grieving process. Um, Now, let's move on to what, if you lose someone, what are the, what are the steps? Like, what do we do? There's seven steps um, to handle losing someone. And the first one is accept your emotions. A lot of times, you know, we feel anger, we feel sad, despair. We have a range of emotions and we try to we try to push it down and we try to suppress it and deny it and we tell everybody i'm okay i'm good and it's like there's nothing wrong with you expressing sadness anger frustration just saying that i feel a little frustrated right now please give me some space i feel a little sad a little melancholy uh i'm feeling a little I feel a little off. I feel like I need space. That's another way. You don't have to necessarily uh, describe your emotion, but you could say, I need a little space. Um, One couple, they because they had both lost their son, they would light a candle if they needed space so that when another person came home, if they saw that the candle was lit, they knew to give that person space to let them handle... um, you know, to let them handle their emotions in their own way. So there's so many different ways for you to uh, handle your emotions and to express to other people how you're feeling. If you don't know how to do it, that's another reason, you know, you should call um, a number and just say, I'm having a hard time uh, expressing how I'm feeling and uh, being aware. Sometimes uh, you're not even sure how you feel. or And when we think that, there are ways that we should feel like I should, I should feel, aren't I supposed to feel this? Why don't I feel that? Like, I remember when my dad passed away, I was like, um, I should, I should be crying right now. Like I should be falling out the chair. I should be completely devastated. And I have to be honest, my first, uh, emotion was, it was shock, which is one of the, which is the first stage of, of grief. But I was also relieved because he was in so much pain for so many years that um, I, I was like, he's in a much better place now. He's not in pain. And um, I was just and that's what I was. I was thankful. I was thankful that he wasn't in pain anymore. Um, so and that was kind of uh, scary to me. I was like, oh, I shouldn't feel relieved. I should. And I, I got to tell you. I think it took me six months to a year or something uh, before I actually cried from the from the day my dad passed away. It took me a long time before it. And it man, let me tell you, when it hit me, whoo, yo, it hit and it, it was it was strong and it was powerful. And you know what? I didn't fight it. I was like, here we go. I was actually I it was like. I was looking at myself and I was like, here we go, Leo. This is, this is, there we go. You get it all out, buddy. It was like I was patting myself on the back and, it, and really encouraging myself to cry and let those tears flow and, uh, and, and to release that and be like, you know, and I was, I was like proud of myself. I was like, all right, good, good. We're not a robot. We're still alive. We have feelings. Uh, and we, we, you know, I was like, I was, glad I was like oh I was really proud of how many tears I shed I was like oh I really love this dude you know I really cared about him so I I really relished and marinated in my tears and in my sorrows and um it was super thankful that it happened um so you know step one is accept your emotions uh whatever they are don't judge them don't judge them. Don't say, I, like I said, don't be like, I should feel like this, which is number, you know, which is number two. Don't worry about how you, how you should feel or what you should do. There's not a, there's not, it's not a checklist, you know, it, it's, it's going to be different 
for everybody, depending on your financial situation, your your relationship with your son. I just realized that I walked out of um, Lululemon. I, I bought a new jacket and they left the security tag on. And somehow it didn't go off when I left. This is embarrassing. Now I have to go back. Um, but uh, number two is, like I said, don't worry about how you feel and what you should and should not do. That is, there's no there's no rules. There's no rule. There are no rules on how long you you should grieve, how long you should, you know, uh, feel anger or shock. There are no rules. Every it's going to be different for everyone, depending on uh, your situation, uh, the amount of support that you have, how much you're working, uh, the relationship with your spouse, uh, the the situation surrounding the death, like was it, uh, was it something that we, you, uh, you know, was talked about or was it completely out the blue? There's just so many different factors as to how you, how you feel and, and what you, you should do. Okay. Number three, take care of yourself. Make sure you're eating well. You know, don't, uh, a lot of times we want to, you know, the alcohol and the booze and um, the uh, the fast food, you know, uh, closing the curtains, not letting any light in. Eat, make sure you eat. You're eating well. You're eating regularly. You're drinking a lot of water. Drink water, not alcohol. Um, and and take and and make sure you're getting out, getting exercise, going for a walk. Get some fresh air, feel that breeze on your face. You're sleeping, keeping a regular sleep cycle. That falling, you know, in front of asleep in front of the television, that's no bueno. I do it, uh, but I also recognize it's no bueno. It, it keeps me up. I'm not getting quality sleep. I'm having weird nightmares. It's not. It's not a good thing to do. Um, you know, lighten your workload. Uh, a lot of people try to do extra. They're like. You know, I'm just I'm just going to focus on work. I'm going to double down. That's not the way to go. Lighten it up. Take some things off your plate. Allow yourself to process your emotions. And you can't do that if you're just going, 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 going. That's that's you know, that's uh, that's just as bad as, you know, it's just, it's an avoidance tactic in terms of avoiding your emotions. Um, so don't add more to your plate. Don't, don't double down as a way to distract yourself. Um, lighten the load because the stress of a heavier load, that's going to, you're just extending the grieving process, right? Uh, number four, draw on your support system. We've talked about that. Uh, number five, join a group. Uh, you know, there are churches have groups, AA groups, NA group. Um, it doesn't have to be a grieving group. Just you, you. What you're, what, what's great is that you get around people. It could be a a workout group. It could be CrossFit, uh, a yoga, something, um, a meditation group. Um, you know, Saturday morning volunteer group that cleans up the beaches, things like that. Get get yourself out the house. Get yourself surrounded by people. Work with them and 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 do the opposite of what you want to do in terms of walling yourself off, right? Um, number six is uh, you know get get a therapist, go see a therapist, call a therapist or online therapist. Number seven, do something for other children. So this is turning uh, the pain into purpose. Oh, I gotta write that down. That was dope. Pain into purpose, right? So uh, I, I was reading a story about a, a lady who lost her son, and you know she started a foundation because uh, the son really loved pandas and 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 stuffed uh, toys. So she started a foundation to collect uh, stuffed animals. And then uh, would give them to the uh, children's hospitals. And she did this every year on uh, 
his birthday. So you can start a foundation, start a toy drive, find a way to to honor them, to honor their memory, to keep them alive every year. She's, you know, she also reported that like, even though, you know, her son is no longer with her, she's still his mother. And even though she can't, she's not buying him clothes, she will buy him flowers to put on his grave. So she's finding ways to still be a mother to her, her child and, and take care of him and, and make sure that uh, and hold him in her heart with the things that she does on a day to day, week to week, month to month, year to year basis as she moves through life. She's she's considering him and his honor and his memories and the decisions that that she makes. And and so there's a way for you to to turn your your pain into purpose. Um, you know, like the mothers who, you know, the mom who lost her son to drunk driving started mad. And so she was like, you know, no other mother should have to go through this. And and so now it's, it's given her a purpose. And so, you know, and and when you're early on in the grieving process, I, nobody's expecting you to think about other people and a foundation and, and toy drives and things like that. This is down the road, down the road. Once we've gotten through, uh, you know, the, the seven stages of grief, which so let's talk about the seven stages of grief and then we'll talk about what to do if you know someone who has lost someone, right? How, how do you help them get through it? So the seven stages of grief really quickly are shock where you're just numb. You just like, you, you can't believe it. Um, second is denial where you're like this, nah, not, not my, this can't be happening. Um, third level is anger where you're like, I can't believe this happened. And you know, um, fourth is bargaining where, a bargaining is more of like you in your head. You're like, I, I, I'd, I'd rather, you know, let's trade. I'd, let's trade places or I'll do anything to get my child back where you're, you're kind of bargaining with God and you're trying to figure out if there's a way you can negotiate, you know, the, the situation or I'll, 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 I'll say a thousand Hail Marys every day. If you give me one more second, you get into this bargaining thing. Um, and then the fifth level is depression. And the sixth level is testing, right? And the seventh level is acceptance. Um, you know, once we get into that acceptance phase, then that's when, and, you know, you can Google the, the stages of grief. And, and sometimes you'll move back and forth. Sometimes you'll, you'll go from, you go from, you know, from go through one, two, three, four, uh, five up to depression from shock to depression. And then, um, you may find yourself moving back to denial and then working and then anger again, then bargaining, then depression, or going back to shock. Uh, it's, it's not a linear thing. You could very well hop around depending on, uh, you know, the triggers and, and things like that. Um, so, you know, Google the stages of grief, see, see where you're at. Um, because like I said, once you're able to make sense of it, once it, 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 you go, oh, okay, there's a way to, there's a, a logical, uh, way to manage my emotions and to cope with this, uh, trauma. Uh, it, it, it doesn't feel like this, this monthly flow that, you know, like my client experience, which is like, what's going on? Why can't I sleep? And, I'm so restless. Oh yeah, that's right. It's my flow. So there, there's a there's a pattern to things, and there's there are coping uh, mechanisms that that uh, we could put in place to help us uh, manage our our pain. Because you know the truth is, time doesn't heal pain, but it does lessen it. So we're we're just trying to improve your time, right? And make sure you're spending that time wisely because, you know, 10 years spent, you know, drinking and doing drugs and, and not really getting the help you want. It's now you're just doubling down on the pain and you're not really allowing it to heal uh, at all. You're causing other other types of pain. Right. 
So what are the six things that we can do if we know someone who has lost someone, right? How do you, how do you help your friend who's lost their, their child? Uh, number one is listen without judgment. You know, it, 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 oh, you shouldn't do, you know, a lot of times when we, when we are in a conversation with someone, we do judge how they think and feel and what they're doing. And why are you doing that? And that's dumb. And uh, that's ridiculous. Blah, blah, blah. Just let them air it out. Let them vent it and, and tell them, like, listen, I'm just here to, and just say to them, I'm just here to listen. I just want to listen. And uh, you can, you know, let it all out. Say whatever you need to say. And we're, we're, I'm just going to I'm just going to listen. Uh, number two, um, when you are talking about their their child or, or the, the whoever the, um, their child that they lost, use the child's name because that that's a, a way of honoring the child versus, you know, it's like <laughs> my friend has a dog and I'm like, nice dog. And, and I, it, it, clearly because I, I refuse to use a dog's name. Uh, it's a sign that I don't like the dog or I just don't like dogs in general. Um, and I'm like, yeah, what's up, dog? You know, so you don't want to say, oh, yeah, you, you lost your kid like that. You know, um, you, you know, f- use the, the child's name anytime that you do talk about the child. Uh, it's just a way of showing respect and honor and that, uh, it, that, that the, uh, you know, that the child meant as much to you as it does to the parent. Um, the third thing is accept the survivor's feelings. And this goes back to uh, number one of like listening without judgment. How do they feel? If they feel angry, frustrated, sad, they could they might feel happy and excited, um, you know, because they're just they don't know what to feel. And they're just cycling through emotions, you know, just go with them and and uh, know that it's uh, there's there's no or no right or wrong way for them to feel. Number four, avoid saying. I know how you feel unless of course you've been through exactly what they're going through. There's no need for you to say, I know how you feel. Um, but what you could say instead is what else are you feeling? Just getting them to open up as much about their feelings as possible. Number five, avoid telling them what to do. And this goes back to, you know, number one of like, you know, just listen without judgment. But don't tell them what to do. You, you don't know their full situation. You don't know their financial situation, uh, health, the bills, um, the family dynamics, things like that. They'll they'll if they they will ask you specifically for what they need, and you just uh, wait for that. Um, which uh, you know, in addition to, also don't say, uh, "I'm here for anything that you need." Because it's not true. You you can't get if they need twenty thousand dollars. Do you have twenty thousand dollars for their funeral? You don't. So don't make promises that you can't keep. What you can say is, um, "Listen, I can make a small contribution if you need help uh, with the funeral arrangements, uh, arrangements, or I can make phone calls for you, or I can send out emails, or I can help mail out letters." Be sp- very specific on how you can help uh and even the time be like listen uh i'm uh, i really want to help you deal and in, in with the you know the practical aspects of uh you know the funeral or making arrangements or you know making arrangements i have saturday off i can what you know i can i can help you with uh you know x y and z saturday uh, up until 6 p.m. And then, you know, so be specific so that uh, you're not, you don't feel resentful. You're not asked to do something beyond your means, which then puts a further strain on the friendship and uh, relationship. And number six, be extremely sensitive during the holidays. Um, you know, because a lot of times, you know, especially if you, want to make plans involving them, you know, you know, keep in mind how they might feel, you know, celebrating their first Christmas, Thanksgiving, uh, birthday without, uh, their child. Um, and, and so think about that when you're inviting them to, to do things and think about who else is going to be there. So it's not just about the event itself, but, 
once they get to the event, is, is there going to be uh, any, or, or will there be other people who could uh, trigger some negative emotions or would it be a place where, you know, if it's a park that their child loved, it's like you don't want to invite them to a birthday party at that park because there's just too many memories. So uh, be sensitive during the holidays and birthdays and anniversaries and things like that. And, you know, and that's it in terms of, you know, uh, Christoph St. John um, and how to deal with you know, losing uh, your uh, a parent losing their child, and it's un, it's a, so um, you know he he took his life, but once again, it's about using all of our coping strategies, using all of our tools and skills, so that we can work through our emotional pain. Right? Um, it's like a you know when you play a video game, you get as you move through, you get like, uh, you know, a rope and coins and, and, uh, maps and, and flashlights and things to, to help you, uh, navigate forward. And, and that's what these coping skills are. That's what your friends are. That's what therapists are. That's what the phone numbers are. That's what exercise is. That's what, you know, sleep and, and eating, like all those things together, um, will help us uh, move with our grief, with our pain, move forward. And uh, I love you guys. And I appreciate you all for listening, for uh, sharing, for commenting, for uh, just just spending this time with us. And, and this lets me know, like I said, this podcast, though, is not a replacement. Get out there, find someone um, that, you know, that you can talk to and it could take time, but just put that intention out there. You, maybe you're in Montana or Hungary or, uh, you know, in remote parts of Canada or, or Finland, you, you know, uh, Turkey, um, uh, you know, there are online groups, Facebook groups, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Hydrate. Um, now how do I want to, what, what? I always feel like I should have like a special ending for this. I don't. I, I do a lot of Irish goodbyes. I leave because I, I'm an introvert. So like when I go to parties, I'll just leave. I'm like, pew. Uh, but let me leave you guys. Oh, last time I left you guys a little Bob Marley, huh? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Monday, I'm excited about the podcast. I have a very special guest that will be on. And so stay tuned for that. Uh, let's leave you. Let's leave you with a little quote. Oh, yeah. What? 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 What do I want to. All right, Leo, you're making this weird. This is, the, this is the long. See, this is why I don't say goodbye to people. You can hear me like clicking in the background. Oh, yeah. These are horrible quotes. Keep smiling and one day life will get tired of upsetting you. Life is 10% what happens to you, 90% how you react. All right, these are all horrible quotes. We won't go with that. Um, what I will leave you guys with is a homework assignment. I want you to make a list. Oh, uh, yeah, this is what we'll end. We'll always end with the homework assignment. Um, I want you to make a list of three people that you can call when uh, you're uh, feeling emotionally distressed. And if you, if you can't even write down one person, then, then we know where the work needs to be. Because remember, the strength of your social relationships, your social connections, and if you have family members that you are at war with, if you have friends that you are back, work, say, listen, Sit them down, say, look, I don't want to be at war with you. I, I want to connect with you. I, I want to find a way for us to uh, be able to communicate and, and, uh, and, and thrive together. And I know it's going to take time, but I'm just, I'm letting you know that's my intention. 
and you know, and they'll let you know if that's their intention or not. And and so, what what does that look like? Like, I mean, is this is this the way is this the way you want our relationship to be? Or because um, I I don't accept that it has to stay like this. So if you if there are relationships that that you are at war with, if there are people that you're at war with, find a way to make your your ally uh, or your your enemy an ally, right? Uh, and it's and that's easier said than done because somebody who really hates you, then there's is good because there's an emotional connection and you can you can turn that uh, that negative energy into positive energy. All right, so that's your homework assignment. Write down three and keep it visible for as a reminder to yourself. And one of the numbers could be the suicide hotline number. Be like, you know what? That's a number. That's a that's a there's a person at the other end that will pick up. Um, and if you if you feel like if you have n- numbers of people, be like, hey, if I'm going through something, can I call you? I, you know, I, I asked a, a friend of mine that the other day. I was I was like, can I call you or send you like really long text messages or ridiculous voicemails? You know, um, get people's permission. Say hey, can I can I can I call and just dump some stuff on you? Is that is that cool? <laughs> so that's your homework, and uh, and you know leave comments five stars or on iTunes and Spotify. Please make sure you share. Uh, I love you all. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I will talk to you on a Thursday. Wait, or uh, Monday? I'll talk to you Monday because I'm going to post this uh, tomorrow.